I think it's I think it's even amazing that I'm standing up here on this stage. And actually, this is a dream in, in a way for me, because um, years ago when I became a, a Christian and I started going into, and I went into ministry, one of the things that I always wanted to do was have a dynamic drama ministry in the church. And we have that now. And the re- one of the reasons we expanded the stage is because, like I said earlier, we're going to be doing Godspell July 10th to the 19th here. And to have the opportunity for you to invite your friends and your neighbors. I mean, sometimes it's hard to invite people to church, but to say, hey, can you, you want to come and see Godspell? And have a stage this large. It's nowhere near finished. We still have a lot of the decorating, if you will, design to do on it. But it's just incredible to walk around up here. And um, even this facility, when we first walked in here and the way it looked and the dreams that we had, the vision that we had for this campus and what it could become. You know, I, just, I just never forget someone when we bought the property, someone, uh, another pastor in another church, very, being very kind, just said, um, I don't know what you guys are thinking. I, I can't, I don't see it. I just don't know what you're thinking. But, you know, God knew and he placed it in our hearts and we knew what we were thinking. And we knew that God could use this facility to impact the lives of thousands of people. And that's what's been happening. I mean, during the soccer season and just the sports season, there's over 2000 people a week using the Grace Impact Center. And that thing that is not even finished it's not even finished. Imagine what God's going to do over the next few months. It's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. And to, to be in this series called Great Expectations, and I love that video because it talks about how we sometimes just stop dreaming. Something comes along and impacts our lives, and we, we stop dreaming. We stop having vision. And, you know, as I thought about this series and I thought, you know, what are, what are some things, what are some, what are some ways that the enemy comes in and robs us and steals from us? And I thought about the life of Joseph and what he went through and the opportunities that he had so many different times just to stop dreaming and to give up. But he didn't. In Genesis chapter 37, verses 12 through 20. It says, now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, and I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived in Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked him. I always, I always think that's really funny because the dreamers are always wandering around in fields, kind of lost sometimes. What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here. They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph after his, went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So as I was thinking through this series and thinking through this sermon, I had to ask the question, what happens, what happens 
when the enemy comes along and steals our dreams and expectations before they even begin. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Early on in your life, things happened to you where the enemy just ripped from you your dreams and your expectations. Things happened that made you pull back and shy away and, and just fall away from what, you, what you're drawn to, with the original desires that God has placed in your heart. Some of you along the way from into adulthood, things happened to you and you just said, you know what, I, I just... You've lost your passion. You've lost your desire to dream, to have visions of the future. What happens when the enemy steals our expectations and our dreams? What happens when those expectations are stolen before they even begin? Joseph was young, and in his dreaming, he may have expressed his dreams um, in, in, with, you know, I don't know, maybe, um, not as a, not as diplomatic as he should have, uh, or maybe as thoughtful as he should have been. But you have to think about this. He was very young. He was very young. When we're young, we have amazing dreams. We have amazing expectations for the future. We think, what is my life going to be? How am I going to live? How, you know, what am I going to accomplish? How is God going to use me? All these things are going through your mind because you're young. And, you know, people haven't told you it can't be done. That's impossible. As you get older, sometimes people throw those things out. Oh, that's impossible. You know, that'll never happen. You're just, you know, whatever, a little fancy of the mind, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, but when you're young, you have all these expectations. You're thinking of the future, what God is going to do for you. And that was what happened with Joseph. He had, God was pouring into him dreams, dreams of the future, of what would be. I want to stop for a moment and tell you another story that will parallel Joseph's story in this, this sermon. This is actually two parts because it's a little too, it was way too long for, for one sermon. This young man's name or this little, this boy's name is Barnabas. Barnabas lives in Nigeria. And for some reason... Barnabas's family decided that Barnabas was cursed. And so, much like Joseph, they started to plot on how they were going to kill him. Because you certainly can't have a cursed person in your family. So they were looking at what they were going to do and how they were going to get rid of little Barnabas. You know, life can often be really, really harsh. In our, and we're confronted with situations that are beyond our control. Things that we, that we can't, we, we, it seems like we can't overcome, especially maybe when we were a little younger. And the enemy comes along at those times and uses our circumstances, our difficulties against us. They use that as an opportunity to steal our dreams and steal the vision that God has placed in our heart. Really take away our purpose for existence because we're going through these ups and downs in life. And, and we go through those down times it's where the enemy comes along and tries to snatch away, steal away the dream that God has placed in your heart. So how can the story of Joseph help us to 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 overcome the challenges that we face on our way, if you will, to fulfilling God's expectations for our lives. What principles can we learn from the story of Joseph, from Joseph's life, that will help us to accomplish our God-given dreams? 
What I want to do in this sermon is I want to give you, I want to give you over the next two weeks, I want to look at three crises in Joseph's life and how he overcame them. There were, you know, we can break it down to more than that, but I'm, I broke it down to three crises in Joseph's life that he went through and then how he overcame each one. So number one, he was rejected. He was rejected. It was clear that Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob. Okay, this is absolutely clear. And for you parents, it's probably not a good idea for you to play favorites with your children, because it was obvious that Joseph was the favorite of Jacob. And uh, when that happens, the other siblings in the family, they don't appreciate it. For some reason, other children just don't like it when when parents show favoritism to one or more children in the family. So Joseph then added to um, to their frustration, if you will, made things worse, not with the wrong intent, but made things worse by sharing his dreams with his family. In Genesis chapter 37, verses uh, 3 through 8, it says this. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. Probably not, again, you know, picking out and giving specific things to people without giving the rest to everybody else. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, he said to them listen, listen, to the, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Here's the deal, okay? Joseph wasn't doing anything terribly wrong here. Think about this. Who here, if they had an amazing dream, who here, when they have a dream, doesn't tell other people about their dream? And who do you tell first? Usually your family, the people around you. So you have this incredible dream and he runs out. He says, listen to this, listen to this. And so his brothers reacted um, to the situation uh, with their emotions. They allowed their emotions to rule and they in turn rejected him. So he felt this intense rejection by his family. See, the reality is Joseph shared his dream with more enthusiasm than wisdom because Joseph was young. He was young. But because he shared it with more enthusiasm than wisdom, I mean, if he was older, he may have handled it a different way. He may have kind of stepped back and thought about, well, how should I share this and when should I share it? Who should I share it with? Maybe I'll tell dad first and whatever the case may be. But he shared it. And so his family didn't take it very well. They didn't like it. But that doesn't mean that Joseph had the wrong motives or the wrong heart. Different commentaries will say different things. But that that doesn't mean that Joseph had the wrong motives or the wrong heart. He was just young. Well, his father said to him in 3710, he says, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So again, he shares it. People don't take it very well. Remember, I was 17 years old and I gave my life to Christ. And it was the first time that I really started to dream when I was 17. 
I should say it was the first time I really allowed myself to dream. Before that, I had things in my heart. I would think things in my head, but I just I didn't really talk about them or or allow myself to go too far into the future. I remember the first dream that I ever had and and that really I feel like God placed in my heart. Just the, the, the thoughts, the ideas, the possibilities, if you will, start to emerge and start to bubble up in you. Here's something I want you to remember. God sometimes holds something out up here. okay? and you say, that's it. That's what God wants me to do. He's holding something out, an idea, the idea of something. okay? And so he holds it out there and you go and you go and all of a sudden you hit and you're like, wait a second, wait a second, I I can't reach it. But God never wanted you to reach this. He didn't want you here. What he wanted to do is get your head above the clouds, get you to a different point in your life so you can look right or that you can look left and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. That's where God wants me to go. But you'd have never gotten to that point if he didn't hold that idea out, that concept out, that thought out in your mind. We sometimes wrap things around God's thoughts, what God puts in our minds, and we think this is what he wants. When many times he just wants to get your head above the clouds, you can go, oh, 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 there I go off this way. So I was I had these dreams in my in my life. I remember driving down the New York State Thruway with my mom. My aunt and uncle lived up uh, upstate New York in Albany at that time. Now my mom lives there with them. But we would drive upstate New York. And on the way, the, on the way on the thruway, there was a place called Bambi Manor it was on the left hand side of the road. And I would anticipate when this was when I was going to see it and I would get ready. And it was like this big manor house it was this old dilapidated manor house it was on 30 acres of land. I found that out later, but it was so cool. It was like it was such a cool thing. And I asked my mom, what is that? And what do you think they did there? And I, but. When I got saved, when I came to Christ and God started allowing that personality to kind of come out, those gifts to come out, I drove by that and I started thinking to myself, what could we do with that? And I actually, at 18 years old, talked my youth pastor into driving three hours upstate with a realtor to check out this, this Bammy Manor. And I started to dream of the possibilities. What if we could buy this place and renovate Bambi Manor, which is probably falling apart, but I didn't care. And we renovate Bambi Manor and we could use it to bring, bring children out of New York inner city New York from Bedford Stuy and from Harlem, get them out of that environment and get them up there in the woods and we can really impact their lives. And it was a little tower on there. And I thought we could put a radio station in there. I never, I don't know what, how you make radio stations, but I thought, well, who cares? We'll get one. And we just started talking about it. But here was interesting. When I started dreaming about that, when I started talking about it, when I had all this enthusiasm about it, I had no thought process how much it would cost to buy the land, how much it cost to rent it. That didn't matter to me. I just wanted to, this was a dream and I was going to share it. And they all went up there and actually thought about it. But here's what else happened. My friends, some of my friends did everything they could to belittle my ideas. Oh, that's just ridiculous. That's just stupid. I don't care. Why are you even thinking about this? And they were criticizing. And as time went on and I grew and I shared more of my dreams, there are people in my kind of extended family, if you will, that would say things like, you are the biggest pipe dreamer. That's just pipe dreaming. That's never going to happen. They would get nervous because here's here's part of if you want to learn about Jeff Greer. I am a visionary and a dreamer, but I'm also a verbal processor. Those two things don't go well together sometimes because when I think it, I say it. 
you know, and it took me a while to learn that this whole experience to me was a learning experience. When I, as I'm going through life, I learned how to share my dreams, how to share vision, who to tell, who not to tell and when to tell, when to open my mouth. So I will say to people, I've said it to you, some of you, I've said, hey, I'm going to sh- I'm verbally processing right now. None of this is going to hold up in court. OK. You can't hold me to it. I'm just verbally processing because I learned that. For me, it was a learning experience. For other people, it profoundly impacts their lives. The enemy uses rejection to profoundly impact someone's life. That is what the enemy does to us. So many times we have these dreams. So many times we have these opportunities we think in our minds. But rejection is a powerful tool of the enemy when you begin to share. And someone says, you're just a pipe dreamer. Or that's never going to happen. That's impossible. Why are you bringing that up? Or tries to belittle your ideas and laugh at them or whatever the case may be. That is sometimes the enemy's way of discouraging you and keeping you from doing what God is calling you to do. Or here's the thing. To at least dream. It does. You know, let me tell you something. It doesn't it doesn't matter if those dreams all come to fruition. The ideas that you're thinking, that you're using that that creativity that you're you're thinking about. How could I use my my administrative skill to bring to this person's creativity? And how can we and maybe if we did this and that's what God wants us to do. We talked about this last couple weeks. It isn't just about the destination. It is about the journey. It's about the journey. So it didn't stop me from dreaming. It just made me think through how I should express those feelings. But for other people... Well, other people, when when you go through life and you don't feel like you fit in, when you feel like your 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 family and your friends don't accept you, it limits your ability to focus on the future. You stop focusing on the future. You you go back inside of yourself when you get that pushback. It changes you. You stop dreaming. You stop talking. Sometimes you stop sharing. That's not what God wants you to do. See, God has a plan for Joseph's life. But that plan, he had a plan for Joseph's life, but that plan took a lot of twists and turns along the way because of the rejection and betrayal of the people around him. His brother said, basically, let's see what comes of his dreams now. We're going to we're going to cut this off. We're going to stop this from happening. And that's what happens in each of our lives. We're not thrown to a cistern and no one's plotting to kill us sometimes. Okay, they may want to, but it doesn't happen. But they do it in other ways. Stay close to God. Focus your attention on God and what the future holds for you. Because there are people, there are people all along your path who are going to try to steal from you the dreams that God or the... Here's worse. They're going to try to steal from you the idea of dreaming. Just the dreaming process. And that is worse. That's worse. See, we have no idea... We have no idea why Barnabas was rejected by his family. Through no fault of his own, 
his life was completely altered. This little boy in Nigeria, his life was completely altered by the sin of other people because we don't have any idea why his family thought he was cursed and why they behaved that way. It could have been that he didn't get sick and everybody else got sick. They thought, see, he's the one who caused the whole thing. In some African tribes, they, they, they say that you're cursed because uh, your, your upper teeth come in before your lower teeth and they basically drown children uh, because their upper teeth came in first before the lower teeth. So therefore you're cursed. We don't know any of that, but what we do know is this. Barnabas's father took Barnabas outside the village, held him down. This is this 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 is a true story and and nailed put nails in his ears, two nails, one in each ear to kill him because he was cursed. And then he buried him in a shallow grave near the road. But here's the thing. God wasn't finished with him yet. God wasn't finished with him yet. Joseph may have been young and inexperienced in a lot of ways, but Joseph had the ability to to learn. He was teachable and God was going to help him to grow. Now, I want you to notice something else in this whole as, as we go through the next two weeks. I want you to notice how Joseph uses every situation in his life to his benefit, regardless of the situation. Ups, downs, doesn't matter. Joseph uses every situation to his benefit. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. With God's favor and Joseph's character and his integrity, Joseph won the admiration and the trust of all those around him. With each trial came growth. With each struggle came victory. Joseph also realized that truth and time walk hand in hand. Okay, truth and time walk hand in hand, regardless of the ups and the downs. He knew that God had a plan for him and he knew if he stuck to his plan and didn't change who he was. How many of us would just be so bitter and angry that we would change who we are? Joseph wouldn't do that. Don't change who you are. Chip off the rough edges. Okay, we all need to do that. Don't say, well, it's the way God made me. No, that's called sin. Some of the way we behave. Chip off the rough edges, but don't lose the person that God created you to be. Don't stop dreaming. Joseph, Joseph's second crisis was that he was abandoned. After after being misunderstood by his family, he was thrown into a cistern and then he was sold into slavery and forced to work in a foreign land that was far away from his home, far away from his home. Although helpless, he remembered that God had given him a dream. And so he knew he knew that God had a plan for his life later through no fault of his own. We'll get into this story in more detail next week. Later, through no fault of his own, he's thrown into prison and forgotten again. Now you have to ask yourself, why at this point wouldn't Joseph give up? I mean, think about this. This is not just a story. This is reality. This happened to someone. Why wouldn't he give up? Well, this is what the Bible says. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. Genesis 39, 2. Well, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness. Genesis 39, 21. And then 39, 23, it says this. The Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. That's why he never gave up. That's why we should never give up on what God has called us to do. This may be hard to understand, but God sometimes allows adversity to come into our lives to purify our motives 
to refine our expectations and prepare us to 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 receive or live out our dreams. God allows these things to come into our lives because they're going to come. We live in a fallen world and sometimes God says, I'm going to allow these things to come into your life. Why? Because he can use those things to refine you, to prepare you, to ready you, to get you ready to realize your dreams. He is always with us. So when you find yourself in the pit of despair, when you find yourself in a situation where you're in the pit or you're feeling like you're just maligned or misunderstood by other people, allow that to make you better, not bitter. Allow that that situation to make you better, not bitter. Adversity builds character. The Bible says all through the Bible, adversity will build character. If we don't, if we don't succumb to the pressure, if we don't just give in and change who we are and give up, adversity builds character. We do not have to remain a victim of our circumstances. So many of us have the circumstances that have changed so much of our lives, but we don't have to remain a victim of our circumstances. Whatever you do, don't give up on your dreams, even if they don't start out so well. You think Joseph's dream started out pretty well? I don't think so. He had a dream, ended up in a cistern, ended up in prison, ended up, ended up, ended up. They didn't start out too well, but he would not give up because Joseph teaches us once again what I've been teaching you all along. The destination is not the most important thing. It is the journey. It is the journey. The journey is just as important, if not more so than the destination. And God uses our difficulties many times to show us our purpose. It is that road that we take where we learn and we grow that God shows us who we are and what our purpose is in this life. Barnabas, Barnabas was abandoned and left for dead on the side of the road in a shallow grave. But just because everyone else rejects you, just because everyone else abandons you, doesn't mean that God does. God had a plan for Joseph's life. God has a plan for Barnabas's life. And God has a plan for you. Even if that means that you need to rebuild your life. Even that means rebuilding. That's okay to rebuild. I want you to listen to this. Strength is shown not only in persistence. I am a persistent person. I am a relentless person. I take pride in my, in my relentlessness, if you will. If you ask me, what is your greatest strength? It wouldn't be I'm a visionary, I'm a dreamer. It's that I am relentless. Once I latch on to something, I, I, I'm persistent. But let me tell you something. Strength is not just shown in your ability to persist, but also in your ability to start over. Sometimes you need to know when to start over. Sometimes it's better to ask God. Listen to me. Sometimes it's better to ask God for resilience to plot a new course than it is to ask him for the power to stay the course. Sometimes God's saying, okay, you've hit now. Okay, you've been there. I want you to start again. I want you to do something new. I want you to plot a new course. It takes just as much strength. It takes just as much internal strength that God can give you to plot a new course than to hang on sometimes to where you are right now. It's okay to turn to the right or to the left as God leads you to turn. Have you noticed that God has a way, God has an amazing way of using people that others, other people, have abandoned, rejected, 
and left for dead. He's got an amazing way. He's got an amazing way to do that. When people, when other people write you off, God has an amazing way to come around and say, you know what? I am nowhere near finished with this person yet. I'm it's 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 amazing. People will often say, oh, she'll never amount to anything or he's hopeless or he's useless or he's good for nothing or she's good for nothing. But when other people reject you, when other people abandon you, let me tell you something. Sometimes God is just getting started. He's just getting started. So here's the thing. Joseph, as we close off this morning, we find Joseph in prison. And Barnabas in a shallow grave by the side of the road. But as we've seen before in life and in the word of God, that doesn't mean it's the end of the story. The story only ends when God says it ends. Let me bow our heads. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we ask, dear God, that you would continue to move in our lives and in this service. As we focus on you and the dreams that you have for us, let us be strong. And let us, Lord, let us dream of a limitless future. And let us dream beyond that to a paradise, Lord, that belongs to every single one of us. That we can live this life without fear because we know that you hold us in your hands and you will hold us for eternity. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.